What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Alrighty, folks, it is a different episode of the show Mainly, I got to record this early because I am currently at the DraftKings uh, Live Final for King of the Beach Tournament, so I cannot like record this show on Sunday because I will be busy at, at the final. But I do have enough thoughts on the slate itself to kind of go through uh, some of my initial thoughts and where things are kind of lining up, so we're going to get right down to it with uh, the Sunday slate and... Honest to God, I know folks like want to just talk about the background issues with Deshaun Watson, and frankly, we, we just don't have time for that. If you aren't playing Deshaun Watson because you're citing uh, his issues on uh, the sexual abuse, uh, like uh, uh, allegations and everything else, I mean, frankly, you shouldn't be necessarily playing fantasy sports and DFS uh, in that nature. I'm, I'm just going to say that point blank, because you can't let the emotion of the guys you're playing dictate how you're going to approach slates. So, like, it's not a morality question. It's just more of a theory question of how you're going to attack the slate and just play fantasy sports or do DFS. Like, that's, that's the long and short of it. So the folks who stashed Watson in season long, this is obviously a play uh, play spot. It's the Texans against uh, Cleveland, and Deshaun going to be back in Houston, where he's it's it's a it's a home game for him. I mean, let's just be perfectly honest. He knows that field all too well. It's going to be a comfortable feeling for him. You know, it's just one of those things where yeah, he has the rust of not playing uh, for almost. Uh, a full uh, two years. It's uh, basically 18 months of not playing uh, football. So th- th- there you have it. It's the long and short of it is what, uh, what attributes do you attest to ring rust and the fact that 
it's a great matchup against a terrible defense in the Texans. Uh, realistically, season long, you play Deshaun if you stashed him and you don't have uh, top-tier options because it's a great matchup. From a DFS standpoint, you know, you basically got uh, Deshaun at 6500 on DraftKings. He's still cheap on FanDuel. Uh, you know, I look at this as a, a slate where, you know, from a cash game perspective, Deshaun makes a ton of sense. Like, it, it's just, it is what it is. It's it, it just, uh, you got a bad defense and uh, <laughs> a quarterback who, for all intents and purposes, should be a steady contributor in terms of price uh, versus uh, uh, pr- uh, projected outcomes, given that Texas are one of the worst secondaries in the league, and you got Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who has emerged as a uh, bona fide number two wide receiver in the NFL. So at the end of the day, Deshaun makes a ton of sense. The question is the ring rust of not playing versus, you know, everyone and their mother kind of knows who Deshaun Watson is. And from a casual fan standpoint, you're going to be seeing folks jam in Deshaun Watson, and he's going to be one of the most popular options from a DFS standpoint. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's a, it, To me, it's a straight-up cash game play. I don't necessarily see it being a tournament winning lineup per se, because again, from some of the factors I kind of outlined, you've got Deshaun who hasn't played in a while. Um, I can see Deshaun not necessarily being one of the highest owned QBs uh, because of some of these other matchups. And we do have uh, the Cincinnati and uh, Kansas City game to discuss. But when you think about in terms of uh, projected point totals, this game's going to be popular. Now, I, my, my whole take of it is if you're playing Amari Cooper without Deshaun or Donovan Peoples-Jones without Deshaun, I don't necessarily think that's uh, a necessarily viable route because I do think you're going to get ownership heavily on Amari Cooper, um, even more so than Don Fields Jones, mainly because Amari went off and people know he went off on Thanksgiving and it's the next game back. People are going to like flock right back to him. So um, he's going to get a garner ownership uh, at 6,400. It's a, again, the price tags on Cleveland versus the secondary. It's just one of those where it's just like, it's kind of annoying. Because from a tournament lineup standpoint, it's it's hard in a large field GPP, in my opinion, to ship with a Deshaun stack where you're playing Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper together because you still have the Nick Chubb factor. And it's like, that's the guy in the room that like people aren't talking about. It's, it's Nick Chubb against the Texans defense. Nick Chubb could easily pop off for 25 points. Now, could we see Cleveland feature Deshaun in the passing attack? Yeah, because the Texan secondary is that bad too. It, it, it's one of those, it's one of those, uh, how, how, how do you want to take your, uh, 
your ass kicking because I think the Texans are going to give up a ton of points. Vegas thinks they're going to give up a ton of points. That's why the Browns are projected for over, uh, uh, like, a, basically cover, covering the spread, even though it's a uh, uh, 46 total. Like, we've got we've got a uh, eight-point spread here. I mean, so, you know, long and short of it is people are expecting uh, uh, the, the Browns to be putting up points. The, the question is, do we want to pivot to Nick Chubb at 8K and fade the Deshaun play? Uh, fade Deshaun with uh, the aspects of uh, some of your uh, uh, some some of your uh, 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 items because, like, I, I think that at the end of the day, you still have certain aspects that of this game. Now, the 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 issue I have, and this is the other piece of it, when Cleveland gets up, you know they're going to want to run the ball with Nick Chubb, and this is why I think it's the perfect pivot to. If you want to go after the plays, uh, the, uh, the folks that you you believe will be rostering Deshaun and uh, Amari Cooper and uh, Peoples Jones or like some combination of the passing game, you you counter it with the Chubb play, and you could even correlate with Browns defense because I'm still not sold on the Texans scoring enough points here. Like that that's the thing that annoys me with this game is the fact that. Um, you know, you get the dome. You get a Texans squad where you know they bench Davis Mills. They're playing Kyle Allen. The run back is Kyle Allen is throwing the ball to Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks wants to get traded. Um, you you could say it's a leverage spot with Kyle Allen being five uh, K, but Kyle Allen still isn't going to give you any ceiling to speak of from a fantasy scoring perspective. Um, Cooks isn't cheap. Uh, he's five, like he's five K, but it's like, if you look at what Cooks has done because of him not wanting to play. And also the fact that he stuck with Davis Mills and Kyle Allen throwing on the ball, he's not hitting double digits. It like, this is like one of those where I'm not seeing the runbacks on the Texan side to even feel remotely confident. And then the fact that people are going to, like, try to play Nico Collins at 4,200. You know, I played Jordan Akins last week at, at like, 2,700 as a pump play. You know, he, he got some scores. So, yeah, that might get popular at 2,900. But it's not one where I'm seeing a whole ton of value on the Texan side. It's like these prices are kind of where they are like th this is not a good team in any sense of the word like i just look at this and say you know why are we trying to jam like to me given um given the cleveland side just run the cleveland side naked don't do a run back uh and see if they can rack up enough points but i would just say if you're trying to get different with cleveland you, you play nick chubb even though it's like yeah, playing Nick Chubb, uh, uh, Nick Chubb, and correlating a defense is one of the more chalkier plays. I think on this slate, because of how many different ways you can build out your lineups, I don't, I don't mind playing Chubb because I think you're going to get Chubb at less than ten percent ownership. And if you play the Browns' defense, because again, 
Cal Allen sucks. <laughs> like it just the there's no if ands or buts about it. Um, you can get the Browns defense at like a 3900, and yeah, it's a 3900 defense. Everyone's gonna say it's too freaking expensive. There are enough value plays on the slate because it's a 3900 defense. No one's gonna play it, and you correlate the defense if you think. Uh, the uh, Cleveland actually shuts it down. You can actually crush the Deshaun plays because it's a blowout. They just run the ball all day down Houston's throat, and that's the end of it. Like that—that's the thing that I kind of look at uh, from a game third perspective of just like kind of looking at how you want to approach the, the slate a little bit differently than how others might be doing it. Is the fact that from a betting perspective. I think this is on the Browns all day, every day. Like, I, I don't see where Houston keeps this game close because of the whole quarterback situation. And I hate the Damian Pierce play. I hate it, like, immensely. So, to me, this is a full fade of the Houston pieces. Uh, I, I don't I don't get Damian uh, – like, anyone who's trying to do a run back with Houston, I don't, I don't see any uh, rationale to do so. It, it, to me – maybe Jordan Akins because you want to punt at tight end. And I have no issues with if for folks that punt at tight end because tight end has just been so touchdown uh, uh, dependent that uh, there's no, uh, there's no way to like kind of game plan around it unless you're just paying up at tight end and uh, take and try to get safety. And I'm using that term very loosely when I say safety, because like to me, uh, Outside of Kelsey, there, there really is no safe play in terms of uh, uh, tight end uh, production uh, week to week. All right, so enough about uh, the Cleveland-Houston game. I just had to talk through the actual game theory aspect of it because the pricing on the Browns is just going to be sucking people in. And I think it's important enough to have that discussion to kind of go through what the thought process should be. Um at least from my perspective. Now, next up, we got a game where I am crossing off entirely. Uh, you got the Broncos and the Ravens. Uh, Ravens, eight and a half point favorites. Here's the bottom line. It, this line's going to keep moving in the Ravens' direction, and I'm actually going to bet the Broncos' side of it. If I, I Actually, technically, I can't even bet the Broncos' side of it because I'm uh, in a state where you can't even bet. Uh, you know, so... That like now now it it, it it clicked in my head. I was like I, I did not bet this game and I can't actually bet it being in California. But um, here's the thing: the Ravens have been very pedestrian in terms of their offense. The Broncos defense is still solid enough that I expect uh, the Broncos defense to at least uh, be able to hold up enough against the Ravens rushing attack that I don't see any pieces on the Ravens side that even remotely interests me because Lamar is 7,800. Gus Edwards is back. Uh, you get, you got a Duvernay there. Could you play Mark Andrews at 6,600? Yes. But if you, if you're looking at uh, defenses and, and kind of how they uh, 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 do their coverages, this is not a great matchup in terms of, defenses like it I would say like in terms of NFL defenses like the Broncos are in the bottom t- uh third uh, and actually I shouldn't say bottom third it's more top third in terms of 
defenses, uh, defensive ranks versus tight ends. So this is a tough matchup for Mark Andrews, in my opinion, and he's the only person I would consider uh, to be remotely close to safe on the Ravens offense outside of Lamar. I think this is a Lamar runs the ball around uh, kind of game. And I don't think the Ravens uh, necessarily smash the Broncos. With this line keep uh, keeping uh, keeping moving forward, I just look at this and say, you know, if you got in when it was seven and a half, okay, you know, it could work. But my thing is, I would just tease this game if I'm and put it on the Broncos side and just tease it because to me. I don't see the Ravens, like the way the Ravens have been running their offense and their struggles on the offense this year because they don't have a consistent receiving threat. And don't tell me it's because Marquise Brown is gone because Marquise Brown wasn't doing diddly squat, in my opinion. The issue is the fact that, you know, Mark Andrews is banged up. Teams are well aware of what the Ravens are running and the offense is stale. And that's the, just the long and short of it. So it's harder for the Ravens. They can't exert their will on an opponent to beat them at, when it's, it's just coming down to an execution game. So from my perspective, this is a stay away game from a fancy aspect because I don't see the Broncos offense doing much against the Ravens either. I know people want to force in Greg Dolchich, and I get it. The guy is fast. The Ravens defense is susceptible to terrible like breakdowns in coverage, which we've seen all year. But, and the caveat I say to this, is the fact that the Broncos' offense is so inherently broken, they don't want to fire Nathaniel Hackett for reasons that I still don't understand. The, the guy was not hired by anyone except the GM, who should also be fired. Like, like this is the, like the wildest thing ever I've ever seen in terms of an ownership group comes in. You got a GM who's underperforming, a head coach who clearly is in over his head, and they haven't made a single move yet. My only thing is that they're just firing everyone at the end of the year, but you're just wasting an entire roster of players for a season while everyone uh, just like dumps on uh, uh, Russell Wilson, who deserves to get dumped on. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not like doing any apologist work for Russ. He sucked this year. But there are so many other factors that are dysfunctional about this uh, Broncos team that, uh, you know, Russ, you can put him at the top of the list, but, like, there are other areas that I would attribute it to. I just think this is a stay-away spot, and don't play anyone from a fancy perspective. I don't think you can trust anyone in this game to have even a remotely decent floor. So, to me, this is just, like, go away and stay away. Next up, Green Bay and Chicago. Uh, Chicago, uh, four-point favorites. I mean, oh, uh, Green Bay, four-point favorites, I should say. Chicago, home underdog uh, at four. Uh, you know, uh, this is, do you trust that Justin Fields is healthy? If you believe Justin Fields is healthy, what have the Packers done to justify being road favorites on there. This is only predicated on the fact that people don't think Justin Fields is going to be able to play this game. If Justin Fields is able to play, this this line shifts again, um, and they think Justin Fields can play and that he might get clear. But the reason why 
this line is still where it is, is the fact that, you know, even when Field is healthy, the Bears have lost games. And the narrative goes into how many times has uh, Aaron Rodgers beaten the Bears. But let's be honest with ourselves. Aaron Rodgers has a fractured thumb. He's got banged up ribs. It, it, like, it's constantly cranky. This offense doesn't run well at, at all from where it is. They look old. The wide receiver core is young in parts and like uh, just incredibly lacking in other areas where it just looks like they're on completely different pages from Aaron, mainly because Aaron didn't practice with these guys all offseason. This team just doesn't look right. And so you're telling me I got to take them as a road favorite over a Bears team that is tired of losing to the backers. They might have just a field back. Okay, yeah, they, they won on Sunday Night Football, but even in Sunday Night Football, they didn't completely pull away and just pile drive the Bears the way we expected them to. That game was still relatively close until the fourth quarter, and then the Packers pulled away. Like, to me, that was before Fields hit his stride. If Fields is even remotely healthy, this is Bears all day. Because we don't know that the, uh, the true nature of how healthy Fields' shoulder is, and you know the Bears could hold him out. Like that's where you kind of lean towards the Packers. But if Fields gets the full go ahead and looks decent in the first quarter, like this is one where you just live bet the Bears. Um, but that's just my opinion. I just don't think the Packers are nearly as uh, stout as people are looking at it on paper compared to this Bears squad. Even with all the people that got traded on defense, like the the Packers are leaking oil fast. Their season is essentially over. You know what? What, what are the Packers playing for? Like the, the, this is what I'm asking, folks. It's like realistically, when the Packers are like just like just giving them gi- giving the deed to the Bears, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, the Packers are in that position where they're getting ready to go to the playoffs. That ain't happening this year. So. What's the motivation for the Packers? Because I could see this Packers team at 4-8 and eight packing it in and the Bears looking to try to get a win finally over the Packers, see it's their shot, and then just take it, uh, take it to them. That's my fear for this game. I'm not necessarily playing this game, and I know people want to play David Montgomery. God bless if you want to play David Montgomery. I could tell you from season-long fantasy, David Montgomery is, DF, uh, is a fantasy scoring uh, 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 deficient. So if you want to play David Montgomery, God bless. You'll you'll be on your own island. I am happy fading this game entirely. I don't trust either side. If I'm playing, if I play Fields, uh, I would be probably playing him naked, even with uh, Cole Komet uh, prices coming down a bit. I just think there are other uh, plays on the slate that you can get to that you don't necessarily have to force. Uh, uh, force these plays in. Uh, to me, um, Komet's still at 3,800. It's not enough. I, I would just look at it and just uh, fade this game entirely from a DFS standpoint and move on. But from a betting standpoint, I, I would lie bet the Bears. As long as you see uh, Justin Fields look solid in the first quarter, Just I, I would lie bet the Bears. That's just my uh, opinion on it. Next up, Jacksonville, Detroit. Detroit, point and a half favorites over Jacksonville. Where are we going with this Jags team? Like, I'm not seeing 
what the Jags have actually done to merit um, getting respect from the betting markets. It, it's I get that uh, like it, they they've gotten they've they've looked better. They've gotten wins, but it's not like the Jags are this consistent team that I would trust on the road. Like to me, Trevor Lawrence got to prove it. Like I know this is a bad Lions defense, but they've gotten slightly better. To me, this is a you t- if you're getting the Lions by one, or it it, it might be uh, the way the action's moving, it, it might be trending towards the Lions as a pick'em. I I just look at this game and you know, truth be told, I I just think this is Lions all day. But you know, um. I, I never I never look at a, a Jared Goff game as uh, uh, yeah let, let, let me hit that <laughs> like in terms in terms of of a bet like to me this is one of those where if you want to get creative I think you can play uh, a Jamal Williams and leverage it because most people will just play I'm on Ross St. Brown and maybe. Uh, just do it as a one-off and just don't do anything else. I just think that there are other spots in, in the slate that you can kind of get to that you don't need the Lions pieces at all. So for me, I'm again, it's like it's boring, but I don't think you need to go there. On the Jag side, yeah, you can play Travis Etienne for 6,400. I'm not going to begrudge anyone saying that, but because of Etienne's injury history and the fact that he left last week with a foot injury yet again, what do we what do we truly know? Like, do we know that that foot is going to be clear to go for a full sixty, or are they going to limit his reps and like just kind of give him twenty touches and limit it uh, from an every down back perspective? I, I still think that there's uh, there's uh, there's a chance you can get a Jamichael Hasty. Uh, a situation where he pops up uh, running the ball because he knows the offense best. Yes, there's Darrell Henderson in the mix too, but the fact that ETN looks like he's going to be playing, I think it's just going to be um, ETN and uh, Jermichael Hasty. And I wouldn't be shocked if, for some reason, the uh, the snap counts get limited for ETN and it becomes Hasty getting way more work than anyone actually anticipated. I don't get. The Trevor Lawrence at 5,900 play as other people are doing it. Like, I think, uh, you know, some people are going to play Lawrence and, and dial in Christian Kirk and the likes of Zay Jones. You know, I get it. It's cheap because it allows you to fit in uh, the KC and Cincinnati game. I get, this, uh, like, why folks would be doing it. I'm just not going to be one of those people. It, like, to me, this is just one of those games where. I'm fine with uh, letting it go by me, and if I get beat by it, I get beat by it. But to me, this is just not the not the week to be messing around with uh, some of those spots. All right, so next up, we've got the Jets and Vikings. And this is the matchup I, I think can get very interesting because we had Mike White make, it, uh, make his NFL uh, first, yeah, technically first start of the year. Um, this year uh, for the Jets, uh, he's he's started in the past for them, but you know he tore up the slate. Well, let, let's just be honest. So like I I got it wrong. I thought it was going to be a run heavy script with Michael Carter, um, and 
you know, they mix in some James Robinson. James, like, all of a sudden, James Robinson gets scratched. It's Michael Carter. And uh, Zonovan Knight, like, is the number two. All of a sudden, Michael Carter gets injured. Zonovan Knight still gets run and is going to be the lead back for the Jets this week. Um, because James Robinson, you know, <laughs> like, like for whatever reason, is completely on the outs with the Jets coaching staff. Um, he sounds disgruntled, uh, even though the Jets traded for him. Zonovan Knight has looked good. They're going to give him the run. Zonovan Knight is 4,600. And for those of you who listen to this show, you know I think this Vikings team is incredibly fraudulent. I think the Vikings are just as fraudulent as my Giants. Uh, the thing of it is, is that they have Justin Jefferson, and Justin Jefferson technically is one of the leading candidates of NFL MVP. Even though he won't get the MVP votes, I think he's one of the leading candidates for MVP because of how he changes your defense. Here's the thing. This is one of the worst matchups for him because Sauce Gardner has been light years ahead of where I thought he'd be to start his NFL career. He's that good in coverage. I think this is a very tricky matchup because as good as Justin Jefferson is, it still comes down to Kirk Cousins being able to fit the ball in tight windows. Now, the game played out where I thought the Pats were going to try to shut down Dalvin Cook last week, and they were going to leave it up to Kirk to beat him with his arm, which he did. But if you look at that game, he could have thrown way more picks than he did. Like, he almost threw a pick six. He had a couple of more passes that should have been picked off by the Pats. You saw the Pats just get absolutely hammered uh, by the Bills, even though the Bills weren't even playing well Thursday night. Like, the Bills could have won that game by 30 if they still didn't dick around the way that they do sometimes. I kind of look at this, and this is just one of those things where everything has lined up perfectly for the Vikings. This Jets team technically should be able to slow down Justin Jefferson and also be able to control the run game uh, for the Vikings. I want to see the Vikings prove it again. And yeah, could I have this wrong? Absolutely. But it's not going to shock me in the slightest when the Jets beat the Vikings outright on the road. It's it's not going to shock me. Like To me, the reason why this line is only Vikings minus three is that Vegas knows what I know too. That this Vikings team is not nearly as good as their record. Because if they were 9-2 and two and they actually were believed in, this line should be 5.5. It should be a 5.5 line. The reason why it's not a 5.5 line is because of the fact that this team's kind of sus. It's kind of sus. And from uh, a fantasy perspective, Zonovan Knight, just kind of going through the numbers, you're going to get at least the floor because the Jets still want to run the ball and establish a passing attack. Garrett Wilson had a monster game because the Bears secondary just would not throw <laughs> someone over the top against them. That's not going to happen with the Vikings. To me, I still look at this as a slate where it should be a run-heavy script for the Jets. They try to limit the turnovers, play field position, but Zonovan Knight, even though he doesn't get into the end zone that often, is still in a pretty good spot to get you a floor of 11 and could get you to 20. That's where I look at Zonovan Knight. I'm not looking at him to blow the slate. 
I'm looking at him where at 4,600, this is how you, you start fitting in some of these pieces from the Chiefs game if you want to go that route or on the Bengals side is by going to uh, a Zonovan Knight in terms of the build. Because from my standpoint, you know, I don't think folks are necessarily going to be looking at him. They're going to look at it and say it's going to be a running back by committee. They think, uh, you know, you could say James Robinson could still get work. Uh, it could be Ty Johnson. Zonovan Knight in preseason was the guy that the Jets coaching staff talked about. So why wouldn't he get work in replacing the Michael Carter role? To me, this is where I think, you know, trying to overthink it is not the way to go. Like, I look at it from the standpoint of who is the hot hand because the Jets can make the playoffs. There's a, there's a reason why Zach Wilson got benched. A, no one could stand him. B, the dude was holding back from making the playoffs. The Jets are going to make a honest effort of making the playoffs. They're going to play the best of running back they have. Knight is the best running back that they have, not named James Robinson. I still think James Robinson is just, is their best option. But if the coaching staff doesn't like him, they're not going to play him. So to me, getting scared off of playing Donovan Knight because it could be a three running back committee doesn't make sense because – if you look at the workload, it was a two running back committee. Michael Connor got hurt, and then Zonovan Knight just took over and just ran all the way through. Like I just think that you've got the floor with Knight, and I think he's gonna uh, be at round ten fantasy points as a floor, and with a much higher ceiling capacity because I still think they're gonna uh, feature him a bit in the passing game as well. Uh, just because uh, the Vikings' coverages, they, they'll drop off at times. I think. Mike White's going to have to dump the ball off uh, to Zonovan Knight because I don't think he's going to get the free-running wide receivers he got last week. Uh, The Vikings' defense is their strength, not their offense. I know that's a crazy thing to say, but their offense is carried by Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. Realistically, their defense has been the reason why they've won most of the games that they have, which which is a crazy thing to say, but if you're watching the film – That's kind of how it plays out. The offense kind of stalls. Justin Jefferson eventually gets his points, but to win the game, the defense usually has to make a play or two. I just look at it as like this Jets team has more than enough ways of hanging around to make this game interesting, and I like the Jets' outright bet um, against the Vikings. You can bet the spread, but, you know, this is one of those where, yeah, easily you can toss it into a teaser um, and take the Jets side of things, but I think they can actually win this game outright. Um, from a fantasy perspective, though, uh, other pieces on the Jets, you can look at a Tyler Conklin. I can I can already tell you, people are going to flock to uh, – they're going to flock to Garrett Wilson again, um, trying to catch lightning in the bottle again at 5,300. Could you do it? Yeah, you can certainly do it. I just think that – if you if you want to get around that, I, I don't think it's it's the Jets passing game. I, I think it's it's going to be back to the running attack that we would have expected the week uh, the week prior. So that's my take on it. Um, you can you can go with uh, an Elijah Moore for thirty seven hundred as a as a cheap piece. Again, I know folks are going to be trying to jam in um, the Chiefs as a Bengals game. So those are a couple of things you kind of keep in mind. 
Now, from the Viking standpoint, this kind of is like this is a very simple conversation for me. Uh, when it comes to the Vikings and it's a main slate and you don't have a, like a ton of options, it makes all the sense in the world to just play uh, Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson and you can sprinkle in some Dalvin Cook when he's a price cheap, which he is actually this week. He's at 7,200. You can actually work in Dalvin Cook. Justin Jefferson's 8,900. You're going to have to work to get to Justin Jefferson um, I think folks are going to run uh, run it with Garrett Wilson and uh, Justin Jefferson uh, uh, one up, uh, like a, a correlation piece and just do a mini stack with those two. I just think it's going to be too popular. I think you're better off um, doing the Garrett Wilson with TJ Hawkinson um, correlation or you do it the other way with Justin Jefferson and Tyler Conklin. Uh, that's, that's the way I would look at it. But I, I could uh, – from – just uh, knowing how folks are going to look at it, like they're just going to do the wide receiver versus wide receiver and and build that way. I'm not saying it's the wrong way to build it, but I just think it's going to be pretty common for anyone still uh, fitting in Justin Jefferson. And the thing is, Justin Jefferson is usually under 10% ownership. I think that's going to be uh, a bit different this week. I, I, I think he's... He's done enough the last couple of weeks, and people still look at the Jets as a team that you can you can tread. I just don't necessarily want to test the matchup against uh, the Jets secondary with Sauce Gardner. Like it, to me, there just seems to be way more ways of this uh, blowing up spectacularly. And at eighty nine hundred, like that's one where it's just like it's an MME play. I don't think it's a three max. Uh, like a single entry type of bill, I think that's more of an MME play when you've got 150 lineups and, you know, you, you just want to uh, put in different game scripts of how you want to build out your roster. I don't think it's uh, Justin Jefferson fits it in uh, this week um, otherwise. So to me, I just think it's uh, you're you're stretching yourself uh, way too thin. Next up, we've got Pittsburgh and Atlanta. <sighs> Steelers. All right. You know, here's the long and short of it. Um, Kenny Pickett has looked better. That doesn't mean he's actually playable uh, on classic slates. I mean, I, I just look at the Steelers as uh, just not the team to be playing on classic slates outside of George Pickens. George Pickens and George Pickens got priced up now, so he's at 5100 Literally, that's the only play on the Steelers I would even contemplate because Friar Move is over 4K. Um, I just don't think anyone else is playable. Like Najee Harris, you could play him at 6,100, but the guy got hurt again on Monday night. You know, he's constantly injured. I, I just don't, I don't see the upside in playing Najee Harris. Because I don't think he gets enough reps to smash a slate. And at 6,100, I kind of, it's not that you need him to smash, but you got enough pieces around him. And I think Cordero Patterson, because of his pass catching um, work, in addition to the carries on the ground, is going to outscore Najee. And he's uh, at 5,800. So to me, this is one of those games where it's just like, 
I could look at a Cordero Patterson, but I have other plays that I want to go to, such as Donovan Knight, that I'm probably not getting there. But if I were to play this game, it's just those two pieces between Cordero Patterson and George Pickens, and that's it. Like there's there's nothing else um, to speak of it in this matchup uh, to go with. Now, um, with Atlanta being slightly favored, yeah, it's like this one's kind of those like. You can bet the Atlanta money line, but I don't. I don't necessarily have a, a strong lean one way or the other because we already kind of know the limited ceiling Marcus Mariota has. If Mariota plays well, the Falcons win this game easily. But we know Marcus Mariota has struggled at various junctures of this season. Uh, Falcons being five and seven, they need to win out. But you know, it, it's just one of those things where. I think the Falcons are what they are. Um, I, I'm not messing around with this um, line outside of, uh, you know, just kind of looking at a couple of props. Uh, you know, the props aren't out, and I can't bet props this week. So um, not not going to go too crazy over uh, this one. Uh, next up, Philly and uh, Tennessee, the Titans visiting Philly. This is one of those spots where I'm not necessarily getting – the line for Philly being four and a half over the Titans. Like, this is where, as opposed to the Vikings who get no respect, I think Philly gets a little bit too much respect because they're going to go back to the revenge narrative aspect of folks talking up A.J. Brown versus his old team in the Titans. Titans should have never traded Brown to the Eagles, but they did because they couldn't get Ryan uh, Tannehill to renegotiate his contract, which is one of the dumbest things I ever heard of. But say la vie, um, we find ourselves in this spot. Uh, essentially, you know, I think Derrick Henry should have a good day. But the play I'm I'm more focused on is Traylon Burks at 4600. I think you get enough value where Burks plays because uh, he's going to play in the X at certain junctures. I think you can target Philly in the slot at times and. Burks is going to slide in and out and play kind of that A.J. Brown role. If you want to do a run back with A.J. Brown and Traylon Burks, I don't have a problem with it. A.J. Brown being 7,800. The issue I have more when it comes to Philly games is the fact that, you know, when Jalen Hurts locks on to a guy, he really locks on. So if you be- truly believe the revenge narrative – I think this is one of those games where you got to commit to it and you're playing Jalen Hurts with uh, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and also probably uh, th- thrown in uh, Traylon Burks as your value play and then throwing some punts as well, like in fully game stack it. To me, if you truly believe in this game uh, from a fancy perspective, the, the line's at – like, the total's at 44. Like, we've got some higher-scoring games, but from a DFS standpoint, like, these players are priced up as if this is a 50-point total. Um, so, to me, you got to fully commit to this game if you're really going to be playing it. I, th- I think playing the single pieces, like, I don't think the pieces alone get there unless this game shoots well over the total. And then if that's the case, the, f- the pieces are all kind of coalescing together into a massive uh, point total uh, gap where all the fancy points are being concentrated between uh, uh, four dudes. 
And yeah, Miles Sanders had his pop-off game last week. I don't expect that to happen again. I still think you're going to get the uh, Jalen Hurts rushing upside um, going to it. So to me, this is one of those where uh, I look at the Titans side. I like the Titans here. Yeah, you know, Philly's good. It's like I'm not saying Philly's not good, but I do think that the Titans can run with Derrick Henry on this uh, Philadelphia front. I think they can tire him out, and I think Traylon Burks can get open enough that even Tannehill can make it work, even though, realistically, this should have been way simpler to do with just having A.J. Brown on that squad. And just like it, and 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 tell Tannehill to take a, a pay cut, but the past is the past. They got to make, make do with what they got now. Um, so I think the Titans can actually get there, um, given the, the spread. Uh, I, I think that uh, five and a half number is just a bit too wide. If Philly does win it, I think it's one of those late game situations where they win it by a field goal. So either way, I. I still like the Titan side of things. And this is one of those games you can also throw into a teaser where you have uh, uh, bet the Titan side up uh, a bit further with, uh, so you give yourself a bit more room. But um, uh, I'm on the Titan side of uh, the betting line here. Next up, we've got the uh, Commanders at the Giants. I'm going to be perfectly blunt here, folks. These two teams are literally the exact same team. I don't understand how the Commanders are favored over the Giants when they literally are the exact same team. The only difference is the Commanders have better wide receivers and the Giants have Saquon Barkley. Giants have a better running back. Commanders have the betting, better passing attack. They got both limited QBs uh, under center and solid defenses. Uh, this game plays low. It's a 40-point total. I think it goes under. I think kickers are involved here for showdown purposes. Like, you can play the kickers. To me, this is one of the low-scoring games. I want no piece of this game uh, at all. Um, I know people want to play Giants defense. I don't have a problem with it. Um, it's just that I think even knowing uh, the commanders and how tight this game is going to be, they're going to tell Heineke, uh, check it down. Do not take chances. And with the Giants defense at 2,900, it's it's pricey enough where you need the Giants to get a couple of turnovers to make it work. And I'm not necessarily as sold on the Giants uh, getting there from a production standpoint, defense-wise. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. But after the break, we're going to get into the afternoon slate of games. So uh, stay tuned. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition, ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. 
Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. All right, we are back. And, you know, in the afternoon slate, I would say, you know, we have some very interesting decisions to make in terms of builds because we've got Miami at San Fran. You got Christian McCaffrey, the highest, uh, most expensive play on the slate. Um, yeah. It's McCaffrey. The uh, the Miami defense isn't great against the run, but McCaffrey has been banged up, and no Eli Mitchell, uh, who's uh, out for a, a year at this point. So it's McCaffrey, and you know, it, it, it's like, what do you what do you want to do? Like, um, I, I think that at the end of the day, you know. Could he get the work and be the highest scoring, uh, uh, the highest scoring running back? Yeah, it, it, it's possible. It's it's certainly possible. But at eighty six hundred, you really need him to go off. And I would just take the chance at a hundred dollars less with uh, Eckler against a sorry ass uh, Raiders team, even though they play the Chargers tough. I think you still have upside with Eckler getting involved against the Raiders' defense and shredding them than McCaffrey just getting all the work and pounding the Dolphins. I, I think the Dolphins uh, give uh, give San Fran uh, more than they can handle. I think the Dolphins actually win this game. The question is, you know, how much of it comes down to Tua and the passing attack versus running the ball, you know, they're going to give the ball to Jeff Wilson. Um, you know, I'm not talking up the Jeff Wilson revenge narrative because, frankly, the uh, 49ers defense is solid, and it's Jeff Wilson who could get injured at any given moment. Um, what I am saying is Miami is trying to balance out the attack, but they're going to throw more often than not. So the question is, do you think Cheetah can get there um, with some Tua stacks? Now, it's always a case of who's going to get there between Cheetah and uh, Jalen Waddle. I mean, Tyreek is going to be 8,800. Waddle will run you uh, 7,400. So, like, they're pretty much in the same price range as they've been at for the last uh, month or so. And Tua, again, because of this slate, not that expensive. He's only 6,700 or way more expensive QBs. Especially when you get to uh, the Bengals and Chiefs game, like you can pivot off of the Bengals Chiefs game by playing Tua and the passing attack against the 49ers. You don't necessarily need to run it with McCaffrey. You can just play George Kittle because the uh, the Dolphins defense is weak against tight ends. You know this this does kind of lead itself towards uh, George Kittle being a thing this week. Am I going to be on Kittle? Nah. Like, I don't necessarily need to do it. Um, to me, this is one of those where it's a it's a nice-to-think-about kind of game from a game theory perspective to be off the beaten path. But, you know, Toes at 45, could it go over? Yeah, but it seems 
it seems risky that this game could just kind of be back and forth with punts, even though you guys are racking up some fantasy points and getting passes underneath. It's not necessarily clear to me that there's uh, a line of demarcation where you're going to get clearly um, separation in terms of volume. So that's where I'm more the more the camp of you don't need to play this game, but could you one off uh, pieces or two? Yeah, you you can stack it too, but I think there's more, uh, more of a one off type of game. Maybe someone gets there, but I don't think everyone gets there in terms of uh, uh, of doing stacks and runbacks in this one. Next up, Seattle and, and L.A., the Rams. No Aaron Donald for the Rams, but, you know, Seattle's just going to run the ball. And with the Rams' defense being 2,300, I'm kind of okay taking the chance that uh, – the Rams defense can cause some turnovers by picking off Geno in the secondary. Like I, I feel this is one of those where you play cheap at defense and you might get rewarded for it. And from that standpoint, it's never that great of a feeling because, you know, when you start paying down a defense, I can see folks start thinking about, hmm, Rams are only 2,300. Let me just keep paying down. And that's how I uh, save money to fit in uh, the Chiefs uh, Chiefs Bengals game. So, you know, that's something you got to bear in mind. But, you know, I'm not necessarily going to tell you to avoid it either. I'm probably going to be playing the Rams just because I honestly think they can win this game. And I know folks are, yeah, like, uh, looking at this from the standpoint of uh, the uh, – the Rams are done. The season's over. Like, why are they going to uh, give Seattle trouble? They always give Seattle trouble. Like, that's just one of the matchups where it's a little bit tricky. Now, do I think that the Rams are going to do anything on offense? No. I, this is going to be one of those cases where we've got, um, I want to say it's, uh, wait. Yeah, when I when I went back uh, when I went back through this, so like uh, like I had to double check uh, again on the quarterback situation, but I still think it's going to be Bryce Perkins again under center for the Rams instead of uh, John Wolford, and because of that, the Rams just you can't use the passing attack for the Rams because Perkins isn't going to throw; he's going to run. Um, could some folks just play Perkins? Yeah. It, it, like that could certainly uh, happen and you just run Perkins naked and just fit in the pieces of the Chiefs Bengals game and do it that way at the QB spot. Like there are different ways of getting to the Bengals Chiefs game is my point on all of this. But from this game alone, I'm not necessarily interested in on the Perkins side of things um, outside of maybe like large field uh, contests, but I am looking at that Rams defense as a potential option where you get a low-scoring game. Maybe they turn over Geno uh, and they pay off their value from the turnover. So, uh, and I and I still think they can get pressure on Geno uh, for a sack standpoint, even without Aaron Donald. I, you know, I still think they got uh, enough uh, engine underneath the hood to get it done. So, um, to me, this is one of those 
not necessarily interested in the game, but if you look at it, th there's a very reasonable chance that uh, the Rams uh, hang around that one, and you don't see Seattle uh, hammering it because it's it's an eight and a half total. Like I mean, eight and a half spread. I, I don't. I, I can't trust this Seattle team with that large of a spread. I I, I get that uh, Perkins sucks, but. To me, this is one of those where it's just like it's just low scoring enough where you can get the backdoor cover from the Rams, but I just stay away from this game in general, betting wise. All right, next up we got the Chargers and the Raiders. I mean, this Raiders team is just—they find ways of bullshit. <laughs> like it's like it's just like Josh Jacobs just keeps going off. Between Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, they are like saving this Raiders uh, season. Even though this season is essentially over, they're still four and seven. But they had no business winning the last two weeks, none whatsoever. This should be a two and nine team, if not for Josh Jacobs and uh, Devontae Adams, like just carrying the team. Um, you know, with blubbering car under center. I, I mean, this is just where it comes down to. Do you want to play Josh Jacobs at 7,900 when he's the most popular play on the slate? No. But the Chargers are the worst run defense in the league. So this is like one of those where you got to have to start planning around it. It's like, do you just accept that he's going to be popular and that it's a great play because of it's a lousy run defense, which the Chargers are. They're not getting better. Uh, like they are just bad on run defense. Do you, do you do you go uh, the, uh, do you go with Josh Jacobs or do you try to get different and say maybe the Chargers just keep trying to load the box and it gives you an opportunity to take Devontae Adams and you you find the money for Devontae Adams at 8700 or you play a Matt Collins at 4600 and then you find other pieces like with between Matt Collins and Foster Moreau at 3600 to play the uh, the Raiders passing game. Maybe that gets you there. But I think between Jacobs and Devontae Adams, it's more than likely one of those guys goes off. You won't get both guys going off, not necessarily, although it did happen the last two weeks. I just don't think it's statistically that can keep up at this point. But if there's a way for this game to go off, it's going to come down to the Chargers offensively just – being able to spread the ball around and keep uh, mo uh, moving the stick. So um, I like Justin Herbert this week. I like Eckler at 8,500, even though he's expensive, he's going to catch passes. Uh, Keenan Allen is at 6,500. Great catch game play. You can still play him in tournaments. Josh Palmer, 5,600. Big play upside. DeAndre Carter, 3,900. Big play upside. Gerald Everett, not necessarily big play upside, but will still get you a decent floor because – the Raiders are also terrible against tight ends. You know, this is just one where the vertical trees uh, for the uh, Chargers make them diversified where it's hard to get it right. But from an MME perspective, you can play around with your different combinations uh, because the price tags are just so generous in terms of, of uh, most of the Chargers pieces that you can still make the Eckler at 8,500 work. Because he's a, he's another pass catcher, and with Herbert at seventy two hundred, it gets you a little bit different from the Burrow and Mahomes of the world. Even though Herbert's more expensive than Burrow, 
um, you, you can at least uh, kind of like uh, uh, game, uh, at least rationalize the thought process through the slate. Because I, I think, uh, you know, between these two late games, one of these has the most upside for um, a fantasy production standpoint. It could very well be the Raiders game, and it ends up being Jacobs and Adams. But this Chiefs uh, Chiefs Bengals game is not going anywhere. I mean, you know, from a betting perspective, um, you know, could you take the Raiders uh, as a favorite? I guess if you like burning money, but you know, as dumb as the Chargers play, I still think the Chargers beat the Raiders. So I'm going to be on the Charger side of the fence here, but uh, in my in my my opinion, this is a uh, Chargers win, and you can you can uh, do different stacks of uh, of this game where you have runbacks and maybe even more than one runback if you wanted to uh, go to Matt Collins Foster Moreau route of uh, building your lineups. Uh, next up, we've got the game of the day, Kansas City and Cincinnati. You know, it comes down to the fact that I just think that these are like just, uh, the AFC favorites, like it's it shaping up, uh, that, that way where, you know, the Chiefs are getting there. Buffalo, because of all the screw ups that they keep having, like, I fear that Buffalo is just going to get knocked out earlier than people expect. And at this point, I won't be surprised because I've seen Buffalo just make enough silly mistakes in games that eventually it's going to cost them in the playoff game. Like unless they figure it out, I think they're going to somehow drop a game to a Tennessee or Cincinnati. And that just shapes up how the AFC title game is going to go because I, I expect to see the chiefs there. The chiefs are just being way more efficient and opportunistic with their chances and just taking uh, taking teams to task so from that perspective do i look at this game any differently where the Bengals are going to be underdogs at home i think you, you can certainly tease this game on the Bengals side and get a little bit more room but i expect to see points in this game uh to me jamar chase is back uh steve spagnolo the chiefs defensive coordinator is going to blitz Jamar Chase is gonna be there, and he's gonna he's gonna have deep play pass opportunities. Seventy nine hundred, Burrow's favorite target. Burrow sixty nine hundred. I, I think this is very dangerous. Where you've got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on the slate, I am not fading that. And you still got T Higgins at seventy two hundred. If you want to get off of Jamar Chase in any way, but it's a very scary proposition. And then you got Hayden Hurst at 3,500. Could you see folks going double tight end with Hayden Hurst and Travis Kelsey? Absolutely. So to me, there are various ways of playing this game that you can brainstorm around it. You've got Sky Moore at 3,100. You've got Justin Watson at 3,200. There are ways of game stacking this one where I know folks are going to do it. I'm not sure how I'm going to land on the game itself, but there's still going to be enough point production. And, you know, yeah, you could even play a Juju Smith-Schuster at 5,700. I'm not I'm not going to hate the play um, with the injuries some of uh, the Chiefs wide receiver core still has. To me, my whole perspective on all this is the fact that you can go through um, 
this slate, and there's not that much I can say that's going to, like, change all that much. Like, I love the afternoon games, and that's where it just kind of comes down to, like, how you want to build out your lineups. But realistically, do I expect the Chiefs to win? Yeah. Would it shock me the Bengals won? Absolutely not. In picks pools, if you're behind, I would say take the Bengals side because the public is going to be on the Chiefs. You already know this, so if you got to catch up in your picks pools, you take the Chiefs. Uh, you uh, you take the Bengals side against the Chiefs. But if you want to bet on the outright winner, I think it's it's just going to be the Chiefs side, and the Lions are going to be low enough that you can just uh, take the Chiefs at minus two, and you know likely they'll probably uh, if they win, it's going to be by a field goal. But I just think it's going to be a tight game where you can tease this one, and it wouldn't shock me if the Bengals won uh, this game at all. So. That kind of does it for the main slate. Uh, we got Sunday night football with uh, Dallas and Indy. I'm not going to be covering showdown this week between uh, the Indy game in Dallas, nor the uh, New Orleans and Tampa games. Uh, so from my perspective, I would just say it's going to be heavily favored to Dallas. It's going to kind of come down to what pricing can you get for Tony Pollard, I haven't looked at any of this stuff, but to me, it's like Tony Pollard and Zeke, make your choice at running back. Who's going to get enough work because they're going to be able to run the ball. And then, you know, the Colts are going to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. I just think the, uh, the Cowboys defense is going to slow him down enough that it doesn't really matter. But, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's at least a, a game through perspective where you got to figure out what Colts pieces are going to get enough points to make uh, the lineup work. But I think it's Cowboys in that entire matchup. And they dicked around enough against the Giants that I expect them to be way more buttoned up and cleaner in the process of taking care of business at home. So um, I'm just on the Dallas side of things with this one. And then finally... We've got Tampa hosting New Orleans. My opinion of the Saints is the fact that Andy Dalton keeps starting games because New Orleans is trying to get as high of a draft pick as possible rather than playing Jameis Winston. Uh, we know this Tampa Bay team isn't any good, but they still have a shot of making the postseason. They're 5-6. and six. Win on Monday night, they get to six and six. I expect Brady and company to take care of business, and Brady kind of using this where just like we are not losing in December and kind of make the run because the NFC South is still a hot mess. So to me, Tampa controls their own destiny. I expect them to get uh, take care of business against the Saints. I don't think it's really that competitive of a game either. So again, this is one where you just you got to kind of look at your pricing and see how Tampa's going to get there. Um, is it going to be through the passing game uh, with uh, Godwin or Evans? Um, you know, Rashad White, yeah, it's possible he gets there, but I still think it's going to be more of the primary pass catches for Brady. So that's where I would lean. But no strong take on the either showdown slate because I haven't looked at anything yet, and I'm not going to be able to get to it uh, this week for you guys. So that's all I got. But uh, – Thank you for listening to the show. I I got a busy like a, uh, weekend ahead of me, but uh, yeah. Until next time, folks. Have a good one and uh, and be well. 
Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.